Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 279 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Ann Arbor. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. Before we get started, we'd like to thank our sponsors. First of all, we'd like to thank Colonial Surety Company Bonds and Insurance for bringing you this podcast. Whatever court bond you need, get a quote and purchase online at colonialsurety.com forward slash podcast. And we'd also like to thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted, pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit ServeNow.com to learn more. And we always want to mention that Tom and I are available to speak to your organization about this topic or the podcast or any of the other topics we've covered on our podcast. In our last episode, we covered our big personal knowledge management project we're calling The Second Brain and the organization component of it, focusing on a tool called Notion. In this episode, we want to look into the growth of niche social media tools and what that might mean for you. Tom, what's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be looking into some communications and social media tools that you might not know a lot about and whether and or how lawyers should use them. In our second segment, we're going to talk about something called a personal digital reset. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip website or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first up, niche communications and social media tools. If you've been paying any attention lately, frustration with the major social networks has reached a fever pitch, I think, over the last few months. Uh, So we thought it might be a good idea to talk about some of the other platforms where people are going to talk and, and whether or not any of these platforms might make sense for lawyers to explore, to use, to take advantage of, see if they make sense for their practice. Tools like Discord, Clubhouse, Twitch. Some of these have been around for a number of years. Have you heard of them? Um, They're suddenly a lot more popular. Uh, Dennis, uh, is this uh, an issue of people adding on more social media platforms or um, are they fleeing big tech for something different and maybe better? You know, I I really do wonder about that. I, I mean, I think there's a bit of people talking about leaving the big social networks. But I think this is really um, more that that people are trying to find a new place where, you know, their audiences or they've been invited to, because some of these things are invitation um, networks. But I think they're looking for maybe both a format and an audience or community that fits them a little better than sort of the overwhelming uh, big social media networks and with the sense that, uh, you know, you're sacrificing privacy and that uh, what's being shown to you in those networks maybe has a bit more uh, control over it uh, than than you would like. So I'm going to go out on a limb here, or maybe this is not such a big limb I'm going out on. Here's why I think that, and we're going to talk about these tools in more detail in a minute. Here's why I think we're seeing people go to them, and especially in a year of pandemic. Of the tools we're mostly going to cover, the majority of them have some sort of either voice 
or video component to them. And I'm going to make the argument that just having a social relationship with people via Facebook or via Twitter or Instagram is not enough during a year of pandemic when we're not allowed to be in front of people. Having voice-to-voice -voice or face-to-face -face conversations, real interaction, is where people are they're starting to crave they're starting to they really want that sort of thing and the services we're going to talk about allow you to have that more personal interaction with people and i think that's what's driving a lot of these which it's interesting to me because there's so much to what we're talking about that frankly was around 20 30 years ago in some form or fashion and sort of everything old is new again but uh, because of the times we're in suddenly uh, these tools become a lot more popular yeah, I think it is the thing that you know, a lot of these just have analogies to things that go back in some ways, I would say, bef before what we think of as the web. I mean, definitely before the web. So AOL, CompuServe, those kind of things. You can see the analogies uh, of that are out there and in like in, you know, almost every technology now that we have more bandwidth, more processing power, um, we can do a lot more things and, and especially that being video and, and streaming. And I think you're right. There is like, how do we kind of get better engagement than text or static photos um, give? And so I think people have, you know, so that's one thing people have looked at that. And then, then I also think you kind of want to find, I call it audience, but it's a sense of community, but sort of like the the people you want to talk to um, and maybe access in, in, in real time could be structured, could be unstructured. Um, so I think that's an important piece. And then, you know, in the pandemic, through elections, all, all those sorts of things, I think that people are have become more comfortable with people who agree with them and, and think like they do. So there is a kind of like uh, want to find your favorite echo chamber is preferable to having all kinds of people uh, yell at you and uh, come up with all sorts of crazy things. So I think there's that uh, on the negative side, but on the positive side, I think people are kind of starting to look to say like, in the sense of overwhelm that you can get out there on social media, can I come to something smaller that really has like a core group of, of people I actually enjoy uh, working with, which may go back to the old days of social media when there are just so few people on it. And it seems like it was a lot more fun then. I agree with all of that. And I would think I think I would add one more thing to it, which is, you know, we talk a lot about the we've talked in the past about the idea of the hub and spokes. Your the blog is your hub, your website is your hub, and your spokes are your various social media tools. I wonder whether that really applies anymore. I wonder whether um, we're now looking at people searching for either a better hub or different spokes because these tools allow you either one to have a good community but two also allow you to have a place to teach people to give presentations to say here I just you know one of these tools we're talking about last night somebody hopped on to talk about the the new election fraud lawsuit that got filed and so um, I mean it was just something that could immediately be done they just set something up and and immediately had a conversation about it I think that it it one the barrier to entry is fairly low to do it um, and two um, you're giving presentations to potentially larger or even small groups of people 
So I think that it, it can solve a number of different issues for getting your name out there, getting awareness, but also, as you say, Dennis, having community, people that either want to learn about the same types of things or kind of are like-minded, um, which may or may not be a good thing. You know, it's that time as you're describing that, I'm thinking, wow, this is like the, the very early days of blogging. It's like all the same same arguments. It's just kind of a different, you know, a number of different uh, media that are now available um, that that fit people better. Because I, I, not everybody's a writer. Not everybody likes text. Um, and some of these things just because of that are so much easier. But some of the benefits that we see with these, these tools are... Uh, similar to what I would call like there, especially the the very early days of blogging. But why don't we go into some specifics, Tom? Nick, and I think each the the four that we've chosen sort of show some of the things that are out there. They're fairly well known, and um, they kind of illustrate some of the problems um, that people are looking to solve. And so, one that uh, I wanted to mention first was was Mighty Networks, which we've talked about. And we had a, uh, one of our interview shows last year was with uh, Gina Bianchini, one of the co-founders of, uh, of Mighty Networks. And I, I think the problem that, that Mighty Networks addresses is can, if Facebook is so overwhelming and the other ways that you create groups are just so big and don't have the right tools for what you need, especially if you just have like a small a small group, a small audience that you're trying to create. You know, Mighty Networks allows you to have that very focused community that can be smaller, can be more intense in some ways, um, and gives you a lot of tools to do that. And so as a community building tool, it becomes really interesting. And then it's a platform for online courses and other things. So it's kind of like the, uh, you know, think of it in comparison to Facebook. But that's, I think, that type of tool, and there are other ones out there, that's, I think, the problem that's trying to be addressed. I think so, too. I think that the benefit of the Mighty Network is is that I think it is much easier to attract like-minded people there than some of these other tools that we're going to talk about. Um, but I, I, the thing that I like about Mighty Networks is not just the ability to have messaging and discussion and things like that, but also to have courses where you can showcase your knowledge, where you can show what, you know, the community that you've decided to put together, it's arguably because you have some expertise or want to talk about a specific area. And the Mighty Network is a ideal place to be able to design courses, give presentations, uh, provide educational content to, uh, to members of that particular community. And I think that having that all into kind of just a package of, uh, of a network is, um, is really a smart way to, to build, you know, it's small but mighty, I think is really the important thing to think about here. And not to forget that it's a, a great way for content uh, creators to monetize what what they're doing. So that is one example. The other one, I, next one I want to talk about, Tom, is one called Discord. Again, I think there's other things out there. We had a conversation before the podcast whether it's not ex you know exactly like Teams or Slack, but you see some similarity there in a way that you can uh, bring people together and you have a number of ways to uh, communicate with them uh, 
in real time or uh, not in real time. And uh, is again, it's like a different slice of things. And it's not, uh, I don't know, there's an exact parallel to this one. But I, I think one of the benefits is that you don't have to be within your organization or that you don't have to feel that you have to have hundreds of thousands of followers like on Twitter to for your life to have meaning. So two of the tools we're going to talk about have been around for a while. Discord's been around for six years now. It was, it was first rolled out in 2015. And like another one of the tools we're going to talk about today, Twitch, it has seen most traction in the gaming community. So that's kind of how I became aware of it. I am a, I think I've mentioned this on the podcast before. I have no shame in mentioning that I am a World of Warcraft fan. I love playing World of Warcraft. Um, and most of the groups who um, get together and play World of Warcraft together have their own Discord site. And that allows you to have chat boards. You can chat all the time. You can post documents to it. But then also there are voice channels channels that are available. And I think that's what makes it a little bit different from Mighty Networks. It makes it a little bit different from Teams and Slack is that you can just hop into a chat room and talk to people. But it's also, at least for the gaming area, it's it's you'd go on and that's what you would use as your communications channel to go on and play. Everybody was on that channel. They could all talk to each other. Um, I've seen other groups start to make use of a Discord. For example, some tech journalists are using a Discord where they... Just keep it open uh, for a couple of hours in the day where they're talking about the latest tech headlines and anybody who's a member of their community, they kind of use it as a mighty network. They the, Those people get access to their Discord. They get to come in and talk with a journalist and say, all right, hey, I heard this story. Is that story good? Or tell me a little bit more about that. And so I think that there are interesting possibilities for Discord in building a community because you can literally have that community where people can hop in and talk. And it's not, you know, I don't want to brag. I don't want to say that it's a strong thing that it's not moderated. There are moderation rules obviously, and each member, each group that does a Discord ha has responsibilities for making sure it's moderated appropriately. But um, it is something that, again, uh, we'll be talking about this a lot. I'll be using this term a lot today. The barrier to entry is very low, and, and you can get in and start having a conversation and talking to people with very little effort. It's just on a web page. It's easy. Um, it's all on all the different, diff different uh, networks, uh, excuse me, on all different platforms. I have quite enjoyed using it for the gaming function. I could see it being expanded to the law, but I, but so far I don't see it being used as, as much as I would like for stuff other than leisure and or gaming purposes. So the third one we want to talk about is one called Clubhouse, which has become really hot in the last, I don't know, month or so, month or two maybe. And like people were celebrating today, like the first person to have a million followers. Uh, so in a way, it's kind of uh, in the world of social media, it's smallish and uh, and new enough that people notice those types of things. Um, and it's in uh, conceptually, it's it's an odd sort of thing, but um, it's it, 
it's like imagine that you can have uh, you can create these conference calls audio only. It's an invitation application, so you have to have an invitation to get in. It's uh, you know moderated, uh, has a certain set of rules, and if you can find when people have events, you can like go on and and talk to people in a kind of structured way. So you can think of like, oh, I can have, I can go to these uh, these audio webinars. And uh, any time I want, and um, it's audio, and I can listen in, or I can, you know, I can uh, talk myself. But I, I get the chance to talk to all of these cool people. Um, so that's the concept. the The reality is sort of like these. The events are super hard to find, and. Uh, I got to tell you, it is like, uh, it just takes me back to when I was working and on uh, telephone conference calls that um, ultimately that's not my favorite way to consume things. And the other thing I would say is the podcasts do the same thing for me. Uh, the only trouble is I can, I control when I consume them. They aren't real time. I can speed them up. I can stop in the middle, do that sort of thing. So it's a, it's super hot area. A lot of people are interested. You're seeing a lot of things in starting up in, in legal. So it's one definitely to look at, but I, that it's one that doesn't feel like it's exactly my medium. So when you say it's hard to describe conceptually, I have the exact description for it because I saw it 40 years ago. It is, <laughs> it's the telephone chat room. I mean, there were chat rooms back in the 80s where you could hop on a party line and there's people joining and talking about stuff. And some of them were of a more pur prurient nature and they weren't always for family audiences to go into, but it's literally a telephone chat line. And, you know, what was interesting about Clubhouse is it, it, the name even sounds exclusive. It was, it was designed and is still I think an exclusive exclusive service because one it's only available on iOS I think that's a <laughs> I, I mean that to me is testament to the exclusivity I think it's a huge mistake you know anybody who listens to me on the podcast I want to see everything on every platform they're coming up with an Android app that's fair but it's not available for PC or Mac I think that's crazy and also it's invite only so Dennis thank you for inviting me but we only get a couple of invites um, but but it started out back in you know this really rolled out a little a little less than a year ago and i think this is one of the more direct reactions to the pandemic than anything else and it was celebrities it was celebrities talking to each other maybe because they couldn't get together in real life maybe they were talking together so it became the hot ticket i need to get to the service where all the celebrities are talking and go talk with them and sit in a in a phone chat room and talk to them and now granted i've been a member for uh, three whole days now I can't see a single celebrity on here. I, I think they've all completely abandoned it. And now it's entrepreneurs. It's people who are, uh, you know, looking for an audience. And I and so I, I'm that's my that's as much that's as much skepticism as I will show about Clubhouse. I think that the topics that people talk about are interesting. I think that if you have, you know, like I mentioned, somebody just wanted to hop on and talk about a new lawsuit that got filed and what that means. I saw at least two discussions today about legal tech. One was about access to justice. Um, the other one was about kind of the legal tech world of vendors and what 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 companies are out there. I think that. Having that opportunity to go on and either 
use it as a presentation platform to give a presentation um, or to just have a roundtable conversation with people where people are having a discussion. I really like the idea. I'm not sure that's going to be for every lawyer out there. I mean, some lawyers will want to use it to promote their practice. Some lawyers might want to use it to go and socialize and talk to people. I'm not convinced that every lawyer is going to want to use this as a regular part of their social media tool bag that they occasionally visit or routinely visit to go and uh, talk to people. So very interesting tool. I'm I, like they just got a big round of funding, so they're headed for the stratosphere. Um, let's check back in a couple of months and see where they are. But uh, I, I'm interested to see where this goes. The big funding round should cover the Android app. That's for that's sure. That's what it needs to cover. <laughs> so the last one we have, Tom, I'm going to turn to you because it's Twitch and it's a gaming platform, and on this podcast, you are the gaming expert. So Twitch has actually been around for 10 years. It's been around for a long time, and we're just now starting to talk about it. And you're right. It's a gaming platform. Uh, I think that the uh, the platform's main gamer, whose codename is Ninja, uh, makes $500,000 a month just playing games on the platform. So if you're not aware that this is a thing, it's definitely a thing. People sit there and they play games and other people go and watch them play games and they make money from people watching them play games. What I'm starting to see, though, is other uh, areas invading the platform. So, for example, um, NFL is streaming a lot of its games live on Twitch. When uh, the SpaceX would do the space, uh, w- was up in space, the launch and the and the landing, that was broadcast live on Twitch. There are a number of things that are being broadcast now, and I think the point is, is that Twitch allows you to do with video what Clubhouse or Discount allow you to do with audio. You can turn on your camera, you can live stream to your followers instantaneously about anything you want. New case comes out that you want to talk about, hey, I'll be starting up my Twitch channel in an hour, please join me at this point in time. I get a, I follow a bunch of a bunch of channels on there. I get a notification by email anytime that person is live and I can hop on and watch what they're saying if I want to or watch it recorded later if I want to because they're all recorded. Um, but I see that this is the video equivalent where you can get people watching you. You can have conversations with them in real time. There's a chat feature in it. There's really not much more to the service. So I'm interested in this, again, becoming an alternative way for lawyers to either show their knowledge Um, socialize with their community. Um, I see this more as a presentation medium than than the others. It's not going to be as much uh, discussion because it's really more of a one-way discussion. You can talk on a video, but everybody else can only reply in the chat. I'm really intrigued by it for the purposes of what lawyers might make of it, but I think it's a while before that happens. I think what's interesting is that as our listeners hear this, they, I think, are probably going to react and say, well, but I, I kind of like doing uh, webinars on, on Zoom. You know, like, why would why would I want to do something where I drop the video? Or you'd say, well, the streaming video I can do on YouTube or any number of, of places. And, um, I can, you know, I have the Slack group that I do this. I have some other things. And so I, I think that... What I notice here is, is that that's is two things. One, that that is really true. There, There is going to be media that really appeals to you. So it's good to have uh, these choices. So that's a plus. Uh, the downside is 
there are so many darn choices in trying to figure out what to do with them and how to keep them straight and, uh, you know, just a bunch. It's almost like too much. Uh, but I, I will go back to what you were saying, Tom. I think a lot of this driven uh, by the pandemic because you just want to have like uh, a number of different ways that you can interact with people in real time. And some people don't like to be on camera. So, you know, some people don't like to uh, to be the the center of attention, uh, either audio or video, um, but you can find a place. I just, it just feels like there's a lot right now and and uh, you can get, you know, you can find yourself on a whole bunch of these different things for different reasons. And it'd be nice to see some of the things a little bit more bundled, uh, which I think will probably happen over the next couple of years. I think so too. And, and I think you're right. I think that there are a lot of tools out there. There are a lot of choices. Um, I, what I like about the ones that we're talking about here is that they offer the ability for you to communicate with people in slightly different ways than other things might have allowed you to do in the past. A Zoom meeting, okay, but Zoom is limited in ways that Twitch is not limited. They both have different audiences and they different, both have different purposes. I think that it's all about figuring out how do I want to interact with people and do I want to talk with them? Do I want to preach to them? Um, and then figure out what, and preach is not the right word, do I want to give presentations? Do I want to impart my knowledge without a lot of discussion? Or do I want to actually have it be more interactive? But I think that it's figuring out what are your requirements? What do you need to get out of a particular tool? And that will narrow down your choices greatly. Um, because I think you are right, Dennis, is that I can find myself wandering from one of these services to the other and just kind of diving into a channel or watching something and listening to something on Clubhouse or a video on Twitch. And then I turn around and three hours have passed and I just kind of get <laughs> I, I just kind of get caught up in doing that. It, it, it's really useful to say, all right, what works for me, what meets my purposes and then standardize on those tools. Yeah, so I think it comes down to a lot of the same considerations that we always talk about. You know, like it can be, you can, the easy way to think of it is jobs to be done. So, what are we hiring this service to do for us? And sometimes it's just that there are people that, um, you know, we want to talk to or communicate with, and this is their platform. So, that kind of pulls us into one or another. So, I think we have some of the same considerations. I just, it sort of feels like we're making decisions about these on a really accelerated pace over the last year. And Tom, you mentioned the, the phone chat rooms. It just got me thinking that my high school class has a Facebook group, uh, which is probably my main use of Facebook these days. And there was recently a conversation where people were remembering, and this will date me, of where uh, their CB radio handles at the time. And so I grew up in a small town and the CB thing was actually a really big deal because it allowed people in a small town just uh, just great ways to talk to each that other. That is Clubhouse yeah. right there is CB radio. That's the same thing. And, and people remember their CB handles and the good memories they had of that. So that that real time communication in, in, in a place or a time that is difficult is really a strong human impulse. Um, I guess the, the thing that we might want to kind of wrap up with, Tom, is, uh, is to pull it back to lawyers and the tech competence and thing. Uh, but I, I think that, 
you're in the world of information governance. If you uh, you know look and you go like, oh my God, here's here's another ten places that people could be storing important uh, information in conversations that could be could be valuable. And how do we find these things? And are our clients there? And is this a way that they would expect to communicate? I think there's a lot out there and uh, it's not one of these things where you can go like, oh, I can just ignore this. I mean, so what? what's your thought, Tom, as you think about this, you go like, oh, wait, here's like a bunch more containers. We have to try to figure out how to get some kind of uh, uh, control over or at least know what's in them. Well, you know, that's just the way it's working is is we continue to get new containers and they continue to be added to our list of dis- potentially discoverable areas. So we've been talking, I've been talking most of the time about the marketing potential for lawyers for this, but I think Dennis is absolutely right. You have to think about one, how this might affect the information that's being kept on it. I mean, with Twitch, it's easy. You're recording a video. You've got that video. It's easy to get to. Um, I think that the, uh, the the recordings on Clubhouse are either more ephemeral or they're being kept behind the scenes. They're not something you can easily get to. But, um, you know, what if a discussion that's actionable takes place over there? Do you want a recording of that? Something to think about. I, I think that at a minimum, though, being aware of these types of tools, like Dennis said, knowing what your clients might be using so that you can ask the right questions, so that you can go to the right places and get that information if you need to, again, as part of the tech competence. And just just being aware of them, being an expert on them is one thing, being aware that they exist and knowing enough about them to say, I have to keep this in mind when I think about my clients, um, I think is really smart and is really what the meaning of tech competence is these days. Yeah, and I was going to say the the one last thing that, that I thought of is like another one of these small communities that's you know being used this way is that uh, that next door application where people in neighborhoods uh, you know are communicating sometimes in uh, very unusual kinds of ways uh, to to each other and. I would say in, there there are going to be some cases uh, where you would want to to know what's going on, uh, what the communications were between uh, people in next door, and if you're a lawyer not aware of that, you're going to miss the gold. I, I think. So. Yeah. Well, don't get me started on next door. That'll be a whole <laughs> that'll be a whole other podcast. We'll save that for another time. Okay. So for now, let's take a break. Uh, before we move on to our next segment, we'll take a break for a quick message from our sponsors. Wish you could get a quote and purchase an appeal, trustee, estate, or any other court or fiduciary bond quickly online? Colonial Surety Company has every bond you need and is a direct insurer that's U.S. Treasury listed, licensed in all 50 states and territories, and rated A excellent by AM Best. So you can be confident it's a trusted resource. Get started at colonialsurety.com forward slash podcast. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local, pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry, connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. 
Longtime listeners uh, will probably have noticed that the last segment touches on the long-running topic of how do we deal with our digital lives. Now, we've talked in recent years about digital detoxes, taking breaks, digital mindfulness, reboots, other things like that. So Tom found a, a new idea called the Personal Digital Reset. So Tom, could you tell us more about this approach and why it interested you? So I will, I'll give credit where credit is due. Uh, I think his name is Anil Dash. Um, he's an internet person. I'm not sure exactly what he does, uh, but he, he, he's somebody that I follow and have, have listened to his technology writings. I read his technology writings for some time now. This is his idea. This is what he does. But I find that there's a lot in it that I have done from time to time, probably just not on a regular basis. And really, it, it's similar to the notion that we used to have years ago where we were like, you know, the long longer you keep your computer on, the more and more stuff piles up in your memory and things just slow down and you want to turn it off and you want to clean out your registry occasionally and you want to get a lot of the, the, the stuff out. Um, computers have improved over the years so that we don't have to worry about that as much as we probably did 10 years ago, um, but the principle is the same. So what he does and what I think is a good idea to think about is every year he takes a new look at his digital tools, mostly mobile devices, to figure out how he can make his online life, digital life, a little bit more pleasant. So I don't want to say that it's like Marie Kondo, um, you know, sparking joy, but it feels similar to that. So here are some of the key principles. One, um, you should only see the things that you actively choose to see, not what others have chosen to shove at you. Two, app defaults are made to be changed. They are made to work the way you want, not necessarily the way the app makers want. So don't be bound by what you get out of the box from an app maker. That's what they want you to have. And you can turn off notifications. You can turn on different features to your heart's content. I think keeping a lot of apps around by thinking I might need this someday leads to most people keeping a lot of apps. Instead, think you aren't going to need it. And if it turns out that you do, it takes it literally takes two minutes to reinstall an app. Uh, so you can reinstall it. You're back in business in two minutes. So here's some of the things that he does. I like these ideas. Social media. Now, this depends on how many people you follow. He unfollows everyone on Twitter every year and refollows the ones that now make sense based on his past year. Because that changes over the year. His, 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 what he thinks changes, what he's interested in changes. So he's refollowing. I'm intrigued by that. That interests me. Reset your phone. Wipe it clean and start over. Don't start from a backup. You might want to start with some of your settings. Some of the settings might make sense, but only reinstall the apps that make sense. Do not re restore from a backup. I think same with your computer. Um, you know, usually I only do this when I get a new computer, but I usually start clean. I think, what do I, I make a list of the apps that I have and I go through them and I go, which do I really want to install? I think it's the same with your tools. During our tech resolutions episode, I mentioned that it, it's a good idea to revisit your subscriptions and see which ones you really use and need. I think this is along those lines. You know, does Google search no longer, I'll say, spark joy? Maybe you'll switch to DuckDuckGo. If Todoist is no longer working for you, maybe Trello is a good tool and makes you more productive instantly. I think the basic idea is that our relationship with technology changes over time. And because of that, we have to check in periodically and figure out what's still important to us and get rid of the stuff that isn't. I like the idea. I'm going to give it a shot. So I like the concept. And I employed some of the principles um, when I got uh, my new computer. 
but I was trying to figure out how much time he spends doing this reset. At yeah, the it probably takes a year. long time. Yeah, and it's, I think it's a staggering amount of time, <laughs> and that uh, you know it's and so it's it's something that could work for. So I think there's some things in the principles, right? That that make sense, and a lot of it's just kind of leaning things down to say, okay, can I what can I slim down, but. You know, some of it's pretty, you know, pretty extreme, like to this whole practice of unfollowing everybody on Twitter and then starting over again. And that one feels like you could spend a good day doing. If you you follow a lot of people, that is true. Yeah. Um, And, you know, so you sometimes see that and like the people who say uh, and some some of the things you can just sort of do. So like on Facebook, you can kind of control some of that stuff or how often you visit. So um, I don't think you have to go to some of the extremes, but I, but there's some some really good ideas in there, things that we've we've recommended, um, especially. Uh, and so I think that you know when I reinstall things on on my new computer, you know I I go into uh, like all all the Office programs, everything, and I just go through the settings and I you know and I put them to the way I like them. And I look to see what's new that can change. And you said there are notifications, other things like that, the defaults, uh, you know, the files it goes into. There's a lot of things that just simple adjustments will make your your life easier. So I don't, I, I like the idea. I just, it's one of those things I just can't go that far. You know, I sort of feel like I have, uh, I just don't have enough time to do that. And as you like to point out, Tom, I'm kind of retired these days. So it's hard for me to imagine most lawyers saying, oh, I'm going to find non-billable time that I'm going to do this whole reset. So uh, something to consider, though. So now it's time for our parting shots at one tip website or observation. You can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. So I have two. I have one kind of fun one, one kind of useful one. So the I, a couple of months ago, I think I mentioned one about uh, a YouTube uh, videos that would just show the view out of certain windows so you could see what it was, and it was just very peaceful looking at the view out the window. This time I'm going to talk about a, a, a site that is a little bit different, but but a little bit the same. It's called Slow TV Map, and it, it will give you a map of the world, and you can zoom in, and they have curated they have curated videos from around the world where someone has turned on the camera and has taken a literally a five-hour drive through the Swiss mountains or has gotten on a barge in the river and has taken the barge ride. Some of them are 30 minutes long. Some of them, like I said, are six hours long. And it is, again, sort of hypnotizing. It's just I can't stop watching some of these things. It's very relaxing to watch somebody driving along and, or getting on a train and going to to uh, Dakar, Indonesia, um, you, you're able to, did I say that right? Um, I'm not sure where they went. But it's fascinating to look through all the different videos, and they're adding more all the time. It's called Slow TV Map. My useful one is um, if you could imagine that Photoshop actually used artificial intelligence to improve the view, the value of your pictures. That is what Luminar, uh, I think, is, is able to do. Luminar is, I'm not sure how new it is, but it's new to me. It is uh, a photo editor for your 
your Mac and PC. It can also be a browser extension you can use. Um, and I watched some videos on YouTube with people using it. You can literally replace the sky in your, you, you know, let's say you're going on vacation and you take a picture and it was a cloudy day. Boom, replace the sky and it is a beautiful, sunny, clear day. It is just stunning the changes you can make. You have a portrait. Somebody's kind of not looking so great, got a lot of freckles. Boom, hit it, and they have they have clear skin. You can change the shape of their face if you want to change it. A little scary some of the things you, you can do, but what's important is, is that it is able to read the parts of a picture perfectly, from what I can tell, and it can make changes that are very granular to your picture and really, really improve how they look. I'm going to start playing around with some of my vacation pictures and see if I can improve them but um, I, I'm really intrigued by this product I think that it's a I think it's a membership cost where you're paying a certain amount per year $99 a year I think is what it is which give you tutorials uh, templates all sorts of things um, I'm very intrigued I'm gonna give it a shot luminar would this tool allow me to put myself into the uh, the Bernie photo meme you know, I think there are about a dozen tools that would help you put you into the Bernie photo meme. <laughs> so uh, my parting shot is not a technology thing. This is a, It's an organization technique I've been using, and it's associated with Warren Buffett. Uh, and although there's some dispute whether it's something he actually used, but there's a classic story out there. It's called the 525 technique. And uh, the idea is you write down, uh, you spend some time and you write down the 25 goals, projects uh, that you, you you want to focus on for a year. Everything you can think of, get to 25. And then you pick the five most important ones. You draw a circle around it. You draw an X through the rest of the, the 25. And you just, those are the five things you focus on for the year. If you would get something done, um, then you might dip down to the others, but you don't even think about the other ones. And that gives you kind of a focus and organization for your year. Um, I've done it two years now, and I just find it super helpful. And that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode on the Legal Talk Network's page for this podcast. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts along with transcripts. If you'd like to get in touch with us, remember you can reach out to us on LinkedIn or send us a voicemail. We'd love to get voicemails. That is That number is 720 so until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. And you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, smart ways to work together from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report only on the Legal Talk Network.